Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Tasha Radel, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Warner, Brent Palm, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's happening in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, legislation surrounding rural broadband and egg development, a federal push for expanded paid family leave, a candid conversation with Golden Gopher basketball forward Parker Fox, but first. Governor Tim Walz this week signed a bill that puts the fundamental right to abortion into Minnesota law. And Eminence Bill Werner is here with that and the other big stories of the week. Tasha, the governor putting pen to paper came three days after the Minnesota Senate passed that measure at the end of a marathon floor session of over 14 hours. Republicans tried to ban abortions after 22 weeks or after 25, 32, 36, or 39 weeks with certain exceptions, but Democrats said no in each case. Alexandria Republican Tory Westrom said, There has got to be a point of reasonableness on this extreme abortion bill that the Democrats were trying to shove through. Democrats responded late-term abortions are exceedingly rare. Woodbury Senator Nicole Mitchell saying they're prompted by medical situations or problems with the fetus. You don't get that far and then suddenly go, oops, I changed my mind. These are heartbreaking decisions. My duty as president of the Senate is to maintain and preserve order and decorum in this... Outbursts punctuated the debate. Bill sponsor Duluth Democrat Jennifer McEwen said the legislation will save lives and Minnesota will become a refuge for people throughout the Midwest. Seeking health care that they need and can't get in their home states because those legislatures, those governments, those states have interfered with their choices. But perhaps the most emotional moment of the debate came when Waconia Republican Julia Coleman told her colleagues she had serious complications during her pregnancy, but rejected a procedure that would have killed one of her unborn twins to ensure the other would live. And later... When Charles was struggling in the NICU, one brilliant nurse said, let's put them together. They put James into Charles' incubator, and all the alarms went silent. We have heard so much rhetoric about what is extreme. What is extreme is using this government to force people to give birth. Is this what you were envisioning coming out of your legislature? No! I'd please like to ask the person in the balcony to please refrain from making any comments. It's not allowed. Less than one month after taking our oaths of office. Yes. And after last year's landmark election across this country, we're the first state to take legislative action to put these protections in place. Said the governor just before signing the bill, insurance against what backers call a future rogue court, undoing Minnesota legal precedent, as the U.S. Supreme Court did last summer with Roe v. Wade. House Speaker Democrat Melissa Hortman says the win belongs to hundreds of thousands of Minnesotans. This victory took the effort of every single person who volunteered on any one of our campaigns, and who voted to protect reproductive freedom. Senate Democratic Majority Leader Kerry Deedzik says Minnesotans, They voted us into the Senate majority in part 
because we told them we would preserve rights and freedoms, not take them away. Republican Party of Minnesota Chairman David Hand said when Governor Tim Walz was running for a second term, his campaign assured Minnesotans he did not support abortion up to the point of birth. But Hand says Walz signing that extreme bill into law, quote, proves that was a lie. The governor responded his advice to Republicans is... When you're in a hole, quit digging. Listen to Minnesotans. They were very clear on this issue where they spoke. And to try and now make something else is is simply not where Minnesotans want us to be. Pro-life advocates now considering their next steps. Former State Representative Tim Miller with Pro-Life Action Ministries says Minnesota government is fostering a permissive society. Moving forward, I think it's absolutely, absolutely important for parents to talk to their children, their daughters, to understand that they can go and talk to them and they can have these conversations. There's speculation about possible legal challenges. Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison said this week about that. This is a very solid piece of legislation. It is the law of the land. But if anybody anywhere tries to challenge it, we will swing into action to defend it. We already have a team to do so. And could a legal challenge gain any traction? I don't expect any substantial, meaningful challenge, but I always expect somebody to try to say something somewhere. Uh, and uh, so we will be, re- we are and will be ready. Now that the fundamental right to abortion is in Minnesota law, Democrats continue pushing two related measures one of which would repeal a number of state laws that various courts struck down over a period of several decades, but which still remain on the books. House Speaker Melissa Hortman said this week, I believe both of those bills will be on the floor of the Minnesota House in the second week of February. Among the laws Democrats want to repeal, parental notification for minors seeking an abortion, regulation of abortion facilities by the state health department, state-mandated information that women must receive at least 24 hours before an abortion, and a law that requires medical care be given to a fetus born alive due to an unsuccessful abortion. The move to repeal those laws is hotly contested by Republicans in the minority. And this week, the Republican majority in the United States House of Representatives removed 5th District Minnesota Congresswoman Ilhan Omar from the high-profile Foreign Affairs Committee, making good on a vow by Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Ohio Republican Max Miller says Omar was barred from entering Israel because of what she said about that nation and its people. How can someone not welcomed by one of our most important allies serve as an emissary of American foreign policy on the Foreign Affairs Committee? And given her biased comments against Israel, and against the Jewish people. How can she serve as an objective decision maker on the committee? Fellow members of the squad who repeatedly tangled with Donald Trump during his presidency fiercely defended Omar. This is about targeting women of color in the the United States of America. Don't tell me because I didn't get a single apology. My life was threatened, thank you. New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Michigan Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib. Gentleman's so time has expired. That our country is failing you today through this chamber. You the, belong the gentlewoman in that is no longer recognized. But Mississippi Republican Michael Guest said Not only do Representatives Omar's comments have no place in the Foreign Affairs Committee, I hold that anyone who makes such statements have no place serving 
on the Foreign Affairs Committee. Just before the vote, Omar responded on the House floor. My leadership and voice will not be diminished if I am not on this committee for one term. My voice will get louder and stronger, and my leadership will be celebrated around the world as it has been. Kasia? Never a dull moment at the Capitol. Thanks, Bill. More Minnesota Matters after this. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she, she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve. Is now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Tasha Radolf. We hear a lot at the state capitol about abortion, taxes, and other high-profile legislation. But folks in greater Minnesota are closely following bills related to farming and expanding high-speed Internet. Edmonton's Brent Palm talks with the chair of an important Minnesota Senate committee about many of those issues. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters, and I'd like to welcome Senate Agriculture, Broadband, and Rural Development Committee Chairman Senator Eric Putnam of St. Cloud to the show. Welcome, Eric. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Hard to believe it's already been almost a month that the Minnesota legislature has been in session. How are things going so far in your committee? It's been a pretty busy, pretty frantic month. Anyway, yeah, we've been pretty busy in the Ag Committee. We've been doing a lot of informational stuff. There's a lot of people who are new to the committee, so we're doing a lot of conversations about how MDA works and how the Rural Finance Authority works. So we're kind of getting up to speed, but we're there now, and we're starting to actually hear some bills and talk about bigger issues. So I think it's going pretty well. One of the big issues I know last session was expanding broadband internet high speed to rural areas and i believe you folks did pass some funding last year but i think governor walls said there's more to do this session his quote was uh we're going to finish the job what uh what do we need to do still to get more folks high speed internet so we put some money in it in the past which has been pretty good but even all with all the efforts that we've taken over the past three four years there's still 291,000 houses in the state of Minnesota without broadband. When you think about that, if we had 291,000 houses that didn't have water or electricity, we would do something about it pretty quickly. But we haven't been as fast to respond to broadband because, and part of the issue is that there are resources coming from different piles. So we got lots of federal money, we got lots of states money. We got to figure out how to use those monies together to get to all those people. But you know what's crazy is the biggest challenge is finding out who doesn't have it. You know, our maps are not great. Our ability to record who has good access and who doesn't isn't up to stuff. And then it just takes money. And we're working on that a little bit. So the governor's plan has $276 million to extend broadband, but that's not going to finish the job. We're going to be doing this for a couple of years in the future too, I think. 
out of all these homes that you said it was a little difficult to find out, uh, don't have access, are these folks very rural? Are these small towns? Are they not maybe connected to some of the fiber or the line they need? You know, it's wild. Is Part of it has to do with the public-private partnership, and some of our uh, providers are really, really good, and others are struggling a little bit. So it's really kind of patchwork. If you look at a map of the state of Minnesota, you know that the one of the counties with the highest concentration of quality broadband is Rock County in the far southwestern corner. And you wouldn't expect that at all. Super rural, but they were really intentional about it five, six years ago, and they've got tremendous coverage. So you could be actually in certain areas of the state and right across the street could have horrible coverage. And that's part of the challenge is finding out who's got it and who doesn't so we can get it to everybody. Now, this is the Senate Ag Committee, and I know there's broadband and rural development in the title as well, but the Internet, and especially high speed, is very important to farming. Obviously, agriculture has changed in the last 10, 20 years. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, that's one of the things that I think is kind of funny about the title of the committee. I'm glad that it's that explicit, but you really don't have rural development if you don't have broadband and agriculture. That's uh, the core dimensions of, you know, keeping our outstate communities strong and vibrant and growing is this kind of investment in infrastructure. And that's what broadband is, you know, not just in terms of the technology on the farm, which obviously is incredible these days, but, you know, access to telehealth so your kids can uh, do research for the classes. Uh, This is essential quality of life stuff. You just don't get rural development now uh, or economic development or any of those kinds of things unless you have strong, reliable communication with the rest of the world. I know Minnesota's a strong state when it comes to things like ethanol and soy biodiesel. Guessing you folks are, are dealing with uh, biofuels this session? Yeah, we will. You know, it's fascinating. It, uh, I'm new to agriculture uh, as an area of study and it's something that I'm doing. I'm not a farmer. I'm not going to pretend like I am. But the stuff that I've learned already about how incredible Minnesota is on all sorts of different commodities. So, you know, soybeans, sugar beets, corn. You know, we're, we're seventh in honeybees. Isn't that amazing? Like we're, we're in the top 10 for virtually everything and every kind of commodity. <laughs> and so biofuels are a really important part of the kind of patchwork of what makes Minnesota agriculture so strong. Biofuels and a lot of the stuff, it, it sounds like in your committee, is very bipartisan. Yeah, you know, and the committee's that way too, which is something that I really like. It's kind of how it's been before, but it's been something that I've been really intentional and deliberate about. I won't hear a bill unless it's bipartisan. We won't even be having conversations about stuff unless everyone's on the same page. And so far, that's the way it's been working out. You know, I think that the folks who get into our agriculture, I think senators and legislators, we learn from the people we work with. So I think that a lot of people in government who are working in agriculture kind of learn from farmers to just focus on the problem and shut up about the other stuff. And so far, we've done a pretty good job of that. I know that uh, some of our farm population is getting older, and state lawmakers are talking about programs that can help beginning farmers, training for meat and poultry processing. Yeah, all of those are incredibly important. So one of the things I'm working on right now are some tuition grants and building up those programs at schools that deal with things like meat cutting. We also need to train more farm business managers. There, there's so many other different dimensions of the agriculture economy, and we got workforce concerns in all of them. Uh, we can talk about availability of new farmers. and we got to facilitate people being able to pass their farms on to their family or to other people that they know that they want to support. So we're working on the beginning farmer's tax credit, 
And one of the first things we're going to do is we're going to change that so that you can use it in intergenerational transactions. But also so that it's a little bit bigger if you're dealing with a population that traditionally hasn't farmed very much or hasn't accessed the agricultural economy. Because we need more people doing it, more different people. We need to get kids in small cities realizing that their food comes from a farm. And I think that's the first step uh, to getting more people more engaged in the agriculture economy. Well, Senator Eric Putnam of St. Cloud, hey, thanks so much for joining us in Minnesota Matters. We will definitely check back with you later in this session to see how things are progressing in the Minnesota Senate Ag Committee. Anytime, actually. Thanks, thanks a ton for having me on. Thanks, Brent. Time for a quick break. More Minnesota Matters coming up. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Tasha Radel. This week, U.S. Senator Tina Smith introduced a bill that would expand access to job-protected family and medical leave. The Job Protection Act would be the largest expansion of FMLA since its enactment back in 1993. Well, so we're celebrating right now the 30th anniversary of the Family and Medical Leave Act, which said that in the United States, if you've just given birth or you you have an accident um, or you have a sick child or a parent that needs tending to, you shouldn't have to choose between losing your job and taking care of your loved one. And that has protected millions of Americans. But it was only a start. And so yesterday I introduced legislation called the Job Protection Act, which would extend the Family and Medical Leave Act to millions more Americans who haven't been covered. These are people that work for smaller companies or people who have maybe two or sometimes three part-time jobs and haven't been covered by the Family and Medical Leave Act before. That's upwards of 40% of American workers. And I think it's interesting since the way that people work has changed so dramatically, certainly over the last two or three years and definitely over the last 30 years, to be able to extend this um, this unpaid leave to millions more Americans is a big deal. And of course, in Minnesota, we are pushing for paid family and medical leave, which I strongly support. And these two bills, I think, can go hand in hand to really protect workers and, and help our economy be even stronger. And is this something that, you know, Minnesotans that you've connected with uh, over the years in the Senate that have, have talked to you about? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've spoken, for example, to a a woman who worked um, a part-time job as a custodian in a big downtown apartment building, and she um, was forced with, you know, faced with going back to work to clean, you know, um, office buildings, um, but having had a child less than 48 hours before. And you know, that's not good for her and it's not good for the baby. And those those workers should be able to have the same kinds of protections that the people who work in those office towers during the day have. Thanks to my guest, Senator Tina Smith. More Minnesota Matters after this. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. 
There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Tasha Radel. Golden Gopher basketball forward Parker Fox of Matamidi just passed the seven-month mark of rehabbing from his second major knee injury. Fox says he's doing well and his plan is to return to the Gophers next season and play on the Williams Arena floor, which he says has been a dream since his childhood. Fox was a high school star who went on to play at Division II Northern State in North Dakota for four years. His game grew to the point where he averaged 23 points per game in his final season at Northern State, and he entered the transfer portal to test the waters at a higher level. He had plenty of available options and chose to play for his home state Gophers. Prior to the 2021-22 Minnesota season, he suffered a major knee injury and spent a year recovering. He was fully healthy and ready for the current season when he injured his other knee in the preseason, forcing him to miss a second straight year. Fox says his second rehabilitation has been different than the first, but his goal is the same. Fox spoke with Eminem Sports Director Mike Grimm to talk about his recovery and, more importantly, his future. Yep, just got done with seven-month testing, uh, actually yesterday. So, um, yeah, it's funny because, like he's mentioned earlier, I'm getting old. I'll be 24 here <laughs> in February. Um, so people are like, hey, you know, you're going to come back? And, you know, it's a valid question. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to come back. Like, I need to play a game here. Like, I need to, I've never played a game at Williams Arena. Like, I never made state. I never got to play a game at Williams Arena. I got to obviously practice on it. But, um, you know, it's funny because I had, you know, one of – my mentors called me the other day and uh, just kind of communicate and just talking through like where we're at and what we want to do and, you know, what's my next step. And, you know, I want to be a professional basketball player. So what's the best steps into taking that? And, um, you know, he asked me like, are you, are you set on coming back? And I'm like, it's been my dream since I could remember to play a basketball game at Williams arena. Like there's nothing that's going to stop me from that dream and might happen you know, I wanted it to happen two years ago, but it got deteriorated for two years. But um, deterioration isn't going to stop me from, you know, reaching and accomplishing that dream. So, yeah, I'm definitely definitely going to be back next year um, healthy and ready to go and uh, kind of just show people that, you know, who I am because people don't necessarily know. But also, um, you know, what I've been through and how, um, 
knees aren't going to keep me out of, yeah. you know, chasing that dream. So yeah, yeah I'm going to actually hopefully start my PhD here at the U next year. I just completed my master's in uh, sport management. So uh, get a little bit of free education, <laughs> get a little extra education, but um, yeah, hopefully get my PhD started out uh, in kinesiology as a sport management focus, um, continue to uh, learn as a, as a human being, but also I'm learning as a basketball player and I'm just, I'm just excited. You yeah. know, I'm at home and this is where I find peace. And, you know, I've kind of found peace in that, um, you know, that aspect of, you know, this is where I'm meant to be. And, right. um, you know, I actually, I'm a big fan of JJ Redick and Victor Oladipo was on his podcast talking about, um, you know, injuries and the stuff that he's been through. And, uh, you know, everybody comes up to me and it's like, oh, so unfortunate what you went through and da, 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 da. Um, but I've kind of flipped that script now, and, and I'm fortunate for what I've been through, and it, it's shaped me into uh, who I am as as a person and, and who I am as a player, and I'm excited to uh, explore that and see what the possibilities may have. Yeah, so so impressive, and I can't wait to uh, to call the first dunk and then the second let's dunk go. and let's go. the 10th dunk and the 100th Next dunk. block and, and all that. Come do, on, do, man. Yeah, block yeah. and no the doubt. three and, no and uh, steal and, and all that stuff. Um, right. And I think some of why people might ask you is because with all the rules, nobody – like I wasn't even sure before we started yeah. the podcast. I, I mean, I think you have a year left, but yeah. I wasn't sure. So you have, and then you told me not just do you have a year left, but a two. You have yeah. two. You could be an eighth year player if you really wanted <laughs> to take like the Rodney Dangerfield back to school approach, right? It's, it's yeah, it's funny because now we we got a kid who reclassified. He's supposed to be a senior in high school, Caden Betts, and. We were talking about, if anybody knows, like, Snapchat, like a private story versus a real story. Like, he's like, oh, did you put on your private story in high school? I was like, we didn't have that back in high school. <laughs> like, little jokes like that, you know? So it's like, yeah, I'm getting old, but, like, I don't know, keeping me around these kids. Maybe it's keeping me young. And yeah. now that's old to say. For sure. Too. But that's I feel, uh, you know, energized when I'm – in fact, Don Fisher, the Indiana yep, play-by-play guy, 50 yep. years, right? Yep. So I, I talked to him. And we're, we've gotten to be good friends. He's a good mentor. And, yeah. um, and I say mentor. I mean, I'm in my 50s now too but he um he talked about how being around the the he's 76 wow and you know he's like it's fun to watch kids come in as freshmen and see where they head and he goes some kids are immature and sometimes it doesn't even work out yeah but you hope for the best and he goes other times they come in as a 18 year old and they act like a 30 year old yeah you know and varying backgrounds and yeah. he said it energizes him and i feel the same way um and it's kind of funny with with you in terms of of um, you know the the experience now you've had where you'll have a seventh year next yeah. year, who knows if you have an eighth yeah. year? But you're right. You got a kid who's on the roster who's supposed to be a senior in high school. Yeah. So you're you'd be technically you could be a 24 year old competing against a 17 yeah. year old. Right? Yeah, it's a crazy dynamic. Yeah. It's a crazy dynamic. But I mean, I don't know. It's just I think I'm meant to be where where I'm at right now. You yeah. know, it's it's funny because all my friends are off getting married and getting jobs and I'm going to weddings and I'm still a college basketball player and here I am, I'm showing up. But, but I think at the end of the day, you know, I'm meant to be where I'm meant to be and I've found peace in that. And I've found, yeah. Plus here's what you're going to find when you get to my age, if you hadn't done it, you'd be like, God, I'd love to go back and have another two or three years of school. (laughs) Like I've, I've even, you know, through my own kids and relatives or whatever, I'm like, there's, look, if you want, if you have a great opportunity, take it, but there's no need to rush into real life 100%. yet. You'll have your rest of your life for real life. Yeah, no. So play it, college hoops. Exactly. If you can, yeah. Right? No, and you're 100 percent right. It's like these, you know, they're they're you know arguing about oh, I gotta get up at this time. I gotta do that, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I got I got one class. I'm finishing up my masters. Like I'm just working playing, my tail you know, off. Playing I'm, hoops. Or I'm reading, around my yeah. friends. I get to hang out and I get to play a game. You know, and, and that's the, that's the funny thing is it's like. 
basketball's a game, you yeah. know, and, and we obviously take it seriously and we love it and we spend, you know, basketball's my life. Like I wouldn't, you know, be in this position. I wouldn't, I don't know who I would be without basketball. So it's obviously unique in that way, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a game and uh, it's a glorified, you know, high level business game and, and we get to be a part of it. And yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's exciting. And I think, like I said, it's just, uh, uh, I'm at where I'm at and I think it's, it's where I'm meant to be. So yeah. To hear the entire one-hour interview with Parker Fox and Mike Grimm, listen to the Go Gopher podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Minnesota Matters. Be sure to join us again next week on this MNN affiliate station. Same time, same place. Have a great week.